Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. The World Series is over. And I, like many Met fans, and I imagine you, are extremely, extremely relieved that the Philadelphia Phillies did not win the World Series. Much like the city, uh, the infrastructure of the city of Philadelphia, it would have just been a bad time. You know? um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, you know, yeah, there's, there was, it was painful to watch because it, of, of, of being in the same division with them and having watched what they did, everything the Mets wanted to do this year. It, it was, it. <laughs> especially because also the Mets handled the Phillies so well in the regular season. I think we even talked about this. If you we go did. back and look through podcasts throughout the season, we kind of mentioned how much 14 out of 19 <laughs> dominated the Phillies. And so we had, not only did we kick their teeth in, so it felt like, oh man, if it had just been us there playing them, we would have beaten them. But not only that, if they had won the World Series this year, Met fans and Keith Hernandez would have never lived down the bad fundies comment. Like, like I, uh, <laughs> we would be hearing about that for the rest of time. And I am so glad that I get to keep being a Met fan for the rest of my life. And I don't need to think about that comment other than, haha, it's pretty funny. Right, right. You know, the, the whole, you know, Keith was going to throw out the, maybe we, the first pitch of the season next year for the Phillies, because he's obviously a good luck charm. Had the Phillies won. Had the Phillies they won. They did. And, and I think this World Series, I, I, you know, my my impression of it was it felt like what happens when the team of destiny meets an actual better team that for all of the Phillies magic, everything going well for them. It did not matter when they ran into the Astros destiny. They were just the Astros were just the better team. OK, so I'll go with you on the idea that credit to the Astros. They were better. Um, I don't think anybody even before the series would have contended that. But let's face it, teams that have not been better have won the World Series. It happens. It happens. Kind of a lot. (laughs) Right. It happens all the time. But it just felt like this year, that destiny storybook run for the Phillies just hit a brick wall in the Astros where all the good feelings in the narrative didn't really matter in the face of really that bullpen. And the margin was so small, right? When you think about it, for the, any uh, any any game lost by the Phillies, especially when Wheeler or Eflin were pitching, just were brutal. For well, them. you know, you, you, the first game, and it was a weird series, right? The first game, the Astros have a five nothing lead. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a five nothing lead in the second game to boot, um, and and the Phillies came back and won that game. Okay, so there are a lot of people thinking after game one with the home runs and. Right. and that, that this is a team of destiny, right? That's, that and that's what I was saying. That, that, that that's what it felt like, especially after that game of one. That like all of the Phillies' narrative magic was set up to just have something incredible happen. But then, I mean, yeah. they got no hit in the World Series. It was a combined one, but they didn't get no hit. Again. Right, right. And 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 I and I, you know, we put out there, you know, that you know, like this ain't Don Larson's perfect game, you know, or anything right. like that. It was it was no hitter. And and I like it to the like, you know, when the Mets had the combined no hitter this year, it was like a big nothing for Mets fans. Oh, that wasn't that amusing that the Mets had a bit. That was kind of the cool. best you can say about forgotten. the combined no no hitter is it'll make a great thing during rainouts and rain delays on Mets classics. That's like, like that's about the the 
the biggest part of that is that yeah, occasionally it'll be a fun thing to see on TV and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. But it'll it'll be so hard for for even Astro fans to remember who were the four pitchers that c- contributed to that. No it'll be a fun game, trivia question in, like in fifteen four. years. So it'll yeah, be like, who were the other three pitchers or something? So the you know the the Astros were 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 simply better. They they hit. Um, you know, a little bit more than the Phillies, although there wasn't much hitting in the World Series. It felt like the Astros hit enough. Well, they had, yeah. They, well, okay, so here, here are the stats. They had a 240 batting average, which we tend to overlook, you know, as not, not as important anymore. When the Phillies batted 163, Okay, well then, two forty is like a, a <laughs> meaningful. That's like, like the thing is, two forty to one sixty. You're talking about an eighty point average, right, and that right. eighty point average is probably worth more going from two forty to one sixty than going from like two forty to three twenty. Right, and it was two hundred at bat, so it was enough of a sample size. Their on base average, the the Astros was three oh five. Well, that's not very good, except that the Phillies was two fifty nine. <laughs> right, right. So right there, you're just instantly looking at a situation where. There wasn't much hitting. There wasn't much hitting, which puts you in a position where the Astros team construction was really well suited for that. Right. Great starting pitching. Yep. Good fielding. Yep. Amazing bullpen. And and you know what? It's it's a really effective strategy, but you put yourself on the knife's edge when you construct a team like that. And because the Astros, I think you were kind of alluding to it. The Astros had to play with such a tight margin because if anything ever went wrong and like with their bullpen in any one game, it might have all come undone. The Phillies, you mean? Both of the teams, really. Yeah, the yeah, Phillies yeah. were at least constructed to mash a little bit more. And what you're hoping with a team construction like the Phillies is that you're going to get a game or two in the seven-game series where you just win because you just hit the cover off the ball. And you can get a win or two that you don't really have to work for. Whereas when you're playing the Astro strategy, every game is a struggle. You well, really and, have to work so much harder, I feel and, like. And the Astros were doing it uh, certainly for the first half of the World Series, you know, with Altuve doing nothing. Right. He, he ended up batting 308 for the World Series, but I think he got like all of his his he had eight hits. I think he got them all in the last three games. I think he was like, yeah, the first three I think it was game four. He went three for he got three right. hits and, and then he kind of woke up. And, and then, then obviously you got the huge home run in game six from Alvarez. He that was, you know, a massive moment for them because he but that, that was not the same Astros lineup that brought them to the World Series in 2021 and 2019. No, no, but you know Alvarez is every bit the hitter contributing yes. to the line that George Springer was. If you want to go back, but, but it's just they're not that they're not that same juggernautish of a lineup. They 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 transition to a much more pitching and defense team, and they do that really well. I so mean, that bullpen it, was unreal during this World Series. And we'll, we'll talk about that. The 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 um you know game one seemed like okay, how are we going to top that game? Right, a six five ten inning you know thriller uh, right. without without the um, the uh, runner on second base, thankfully uh, in extra innings. Um and 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 but it was that the best game of the series or was it game five? Um, uh, where the Astros hung on to win three two in what was you know the game that's that was the swing game right it was two two right that was the, that was the game that kind of felt like it broke the Phillies a little bit I feel that like, way too I they feel that really way. needed to win that game if they were going to have a chance to come into into Houston to win game six and seven and it would be easy to say this is this is me for me that that uh, that Alvarez's home run in game six was the key hit in the World Series. But for me, it was Chaz McCormick's catch 
in, in um, of Riamoto's fly ball in 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 the ninth inning on in Game Five. That was the difference in that series. Laying on his back, grew up in Philadelphia, heard the crowd was completely silenced, and everybody, including the Phillies, was just devastated by that. That uh, essentially ended the World Series, although it took a, a, a big home run from Alvarez in Game uh, 6 to, to do that. It's not the same moment, but in terms of how I think it almost kind of, it's like Buckner's error in a way. That was not the play that decided the World Series, but it was going to be really hard for the, the, the Red Sox, same as the Phillies, to come back in the next game and win after that. Because they were so close just a yeah, moment before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total total runs, like we said, Astros 22, Phillies 18. You know, that doesn't sound like a dominant series where the Astros would have, you know, won relatively easily, but it kind of felt that way watching it. The Astros were in control a lot more than they were. That's right, sure. exactly. Because you, you could make the argument that this really should have been a five-game series mm-hmm. because Even the Astros don't blow game one. Right. I mean, if they don't blow game one, who it could be a sweep. So, you know, I, I think that, yeah. that that changes things a lot. And I think that, I mean, I mean, it capped off what was a fantastic postseason in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was yeah the, with a new was, format and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, looking back on it now. Yeah, looking back on it, I, I think you're gonna, it's going to lead to some weird statistics. Obviously, one of the big things people are using to dunk on Dodger fans right now is that the Dodgers are the first 110-win team to miss the league championship series. But it's like, well, yeah, but they're one of the only teams that played at a time where like that kind of thing is possible. So it's not as meaningful a, like a, a dig at them because it's just like, well, how many teams are actually in a position for that to even happen to them? Right, not right. Not a ton. Right, right. And and you had an 87-win team go all the way within two games of winning the World Series. And and the dichotomy between the Phillies and the Astros, so you had a 106-win Astro team and an 87-win Philly team. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't care who, you know, granted it's how you're playing at the time. And, and the Phillies, you know, last third of the season or even second half was wildly better. So that 87 can be deceptive if you really, you know, if you think about it. But that should have made it, you know, that was the second um, largest gap between two teams playing in the World Series in terms of Ever. Totals. Ever. Yeah, yeah. And I, I I think one of the things you have to be careful about with baseball is that by continually adding more teams to postseason and lengthening the amount of games that you play in it, you do start to devalue the regular season because and it, all you making the playoffs becomes the only important thing at a certain point. You used because look at what happened this year. Unless you're getting those getting that first round by being the first seed was basically not that important. So as it turns out. As it turns out, now well, for the Astros, maybe it was for the Astros, but for the but but what I'm saying is, you could look at it and take the other perspective. Is the Astros it made a difference for the Phillies? It didn't. So basically, all that matters is figuring out a way to get into the postseason. That that's the only thing. Right, right. Really at at the same about. time, you know, you have three games in that first round, and the Mets blew it to the to the Padres. They were on the road. They, you know, what what more can you do? I mean, you know, that's a pretty no, that's, good advantage. But, but all you got to do is get to the dance. Is what right, I'm saying. Right. Is that, that that you 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 devalue your your regular season performance because an 86 win team basically has the same chance to win as a 110 win team. And when you're looking at that, they're like, okay, yeah, I don't really care how I do in the regular season. I just want to be in the playoffs. So in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, I like, agree. I, I think the, if you continue to add more playoff teams and routes, 
Yeah, well, I don't know how much more you're going to go from where I you don't are think now. you're going to go past yeah. where you are right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with you there. And I think, you know, if you want a toy and we're talking about this now. So if you want a toy with, OK, maybe you should have a win a five game series and they all got to be at the ballpark of the of the higher seated team or something like that. I mean, I, I don't know how far you want to go with this kind of stuff, but the idea that the regular season isn't as meaningful is true because you can't do anything but have the two teams with the two best records and easily play in the World Series. That is the simplest way to ensure you've got the most, you know, the best team right. in each league making the World right. Series and, based on the regular season. And there's just as many problems with that as anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, so I don't think that's the solution. I don't either. think it's – I'm just saying it's the kind of thing that baseball, in my mind, does need to be – aware of because mm. if you continue to expand the postseason you're, you're seeing that happen in basketball where they keep adding rounds to the postseason and now they've created this weird basketball purgatory where teams either are want to be completely unwatchably awful or a playoff team you can't have teams that are like you can't try and get better and, and the more teams you add to the postseason the more you kind of carve out those two realities well, and 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 there's still the teams that made the World Series and and the, and even the players were teams with money. Let's you yep. know the the the, uh, the Guardians probably were the team that spent the least, you know, to get as far as they did. And it might be a while before you see a team do what the Phillies did this year, right? To go, you know, and win the the, the first series on the road and be the road team, the worst record team, and make it all the way to the World Series. I think that's going to turn out to be more fluky than, right. than it I, might I think, seem in year one. Of right? This exactly. Like this, this might be the kind of thing where like the Phillies are the only team to do what they did for like 10, 15 years. Yeah, like, yeah. Like they're going to be the only low, yep. low kind of team yep. to make this kind of run. Yep. It, it, which would sort of indirectly kind of you know counter the point I was just making that you know it's kind of easy to call like oh this is devaluing the regular season because this year the Phillies did well. Well, if no team in the Phillies position makes another deep run, then clearly the regular season still has a lot of meaning. It's supposed to be hard, so if it's fluky, I'm okay with it. Right, because you know that was wild, and 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 but Mets if it's something you Braves notice, fans will go, well, I, you know, we had no yeah. trouble with those guys I, I the think, regular season. <laughs> I think though, if you saw consistently teams making World Series runs from those yes. wild card positions, then you would have to probably you would at least have to start looking at it yep. from perspective of okay, how do we reward the team's performance in the regular season more? Well, I would just say we don't want this, and I would agree, we don't right. want that. I, I I think not. You're, you're not going to ever come up with some wacky solution like okay. Yeah, we're gonna play a best of five. The team with the higher record starts with a one zero advantage, yeah, or something like that, right? Yeah, where right. they only have to win two games and you have to win three. Like you're never gonna get something that could actually be an interesting. Yeah, solution. yeah, you're not. You're, that's not as crazy. As like, you I, think. I, I, mean, I actually like I I see that in esports all the time because yeah. it's a way to reward like seasonal placement. Like, okay, yeah, you go to the grand finals and you get a one zero map advantage in a best of five, so you only have to win two and they have to win three. You you know. Okay, yeah. your 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 superior yeah. performance is rewarded when the other team essentially just is like they have one less chance to lose games. <laughs> the PGA Tour is trying to do that with their tour championship, right? By by rewarding the guy at the top with a more under par start to the first round, so he has an advantage over everybody else based on his accumulative, you know. Uh, total during the season because doesn't mean you're going to win because the other guys can just outplay right. you and that did happen the guy but who it's, started I think the it's lowest important that you you look at stuff like that because especially yeah. like for a sport like baseball that has a regular season that's so long and there's so many games the last thing you want your fans to ever develop the perception of is that the regular season doesn't mean anything oh, because I agree. 
basketball basketball nba is dealing with that problem already most a lot of basketball fans kind of feel like nothing but the playoffs matters so what's really the point of following too seriously during the regular season baseball has the narrative story aspect that i think kind of and there's so many more games but the if that ever especially among the younger population which baseball is desperately trying to keep you know interested in the game mm-hmm. you can't ever let them start feeling like okay yeah the regular season doesn't matter i'll just tune in, in october and set the, if my team in it well that's already happened in in every sport except for football because there's only 17 games exactly Uh, it's uh, one of football's uh, biggest advantages interestingly we say that hockey can't you can't the way they play playoff hockey cannot be played for 82 games in a regular season because they will be dead well you play playoff basketball can't be (laughs) right exactly you can't baseball is probably in baseball the only difference is the way you manage you would manage your bullpen differently in the playoffs but the players effort level probably doesn't change too much not as much i i think that's true i i think i think that it, but it is 162 games obviously uh um so uh, you know and, and I, they're not suggesting that the athletes in other sports aren't trying no, obviously no. but the, the difference in defensive intensity in playoff hockey and playoff basketball to regular season hockey and regular season basketball there is a difference there's a difference in every intensity when it gets to the playoffs and, and you could say the same thing in baseball look we have guys get days off on sunday to give them a rest and Nobody's getting days off in a playoffs. Right, exactly. So it happens to a degree in baseball, you know, as Dude, well, yeah. but not as much, I think, as you point out in the other sports. So um, for the first time in World Series history, a pitcher gave up five home runs in one game. Okay, that blew my mind. Okay, that that hadn't, a, you know, that, that the managers never left him in there. And and so why why did Dusty leave McCullers in there to absorb five home runs? One I think he just looked at it like, I need Lance in this game. We're losing this game, so let him take his lumps. Right, let him take mm. his lumps. And you know what? It, they hit the five home runs, and you know what? If I'm Ducky, Dusty, I'm like, okay, you know what? If I leave him in and we lose, not the end of the world. If I leave him in and we win, even better. Mm. If I pull him and scramble to try and win the game and we don't, that's the worst outcome. So I, I think he probably went with the overall, what's like the least pain point? Like, okay, what's going to hurt me the least? And that would be leave McCullers in and you're already losing the game. The worst thing that's going to happen is like losing what game, that game, 13 to 1. <laughs> Doesn't really change right, it. Right, right. It's still it's still only still, one. It's one. still a loss. Whether you lose, you know, fifteen to nothing or three two, it's still a you know, one in the column for the Phillies. So you, you saw that Jeremy Pena and 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 so why by the way, so what do you think Carlos Correa is thinking about now? <laughs> right? So they, they get rid of him and let him go, right? And he's now looking for a job and gonna try to get his you know what uh 30 million plus a mm-hmm. season um and jeremy Payne comes in and, and boy the astros assess that talent correctly i'd say because he is the first rookie position player to be renamed the world series mvp and that's on the heels of being named alcs mvp now, which is an unbelievable achievement now personally i actually don't put a lot of stock in playoff series mvps because yeah yeah, yeah. It's, right. just, <laughs> it's just it's playoff series right. mvps like like i would be much more interested in a postseason mvp award that looked at the entire postseason and awarded it to like a set number of players 
It would like, still be Jeremy Pena in the American League. He would still be on there. He would still be on there. But I, I think it's just better than, like, a single series worth yeah. of performances. Because, like, one, that would allow you to, like, acknowledge other players that were really good in the postseason. Like, maybe their team just didn't – they didn't win. Because that's the thing. The World Series winners is basically, like, okay, the World Series MVP is, okay, what player had the best World Series for the team that won? Like, yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 that's why I came down to what is the signature play of the World Series because those that's a little more. I think that's a little more meaningful, arguable, like because you know, you know, is it is it Alvarez's home run? Is it Chaz McCormick's catch? Is it? I think it's the catch. I I think so because that that just you know the the direction of the whole series changed. Uh, and and um, Pena, um, the only other guy who ever won a uh, an MVP was a pitcher, Levon Hernandez, won the LC. CS and the MVP in 1997 for the Miami Marlins. So I, I guess I'm surprised that no I, rookies ever did it before. I'm not. Those I'm guys. not as surprised just because for so long rookies didn't get really play in the major league. Should like Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle win some of those things? You know, they were rookies for, and they, not really because like think about how <laughs> they like, didn't get to play. <laughs> exactly. Think yeah. about how like time. Like it was like you got to put in your time as a rookie yeah, so that yeah. you can get on the field. Teams teams didn't look at it and go like. Yeah, I understand that he's a rookie and he's never played in the major. Like he's played like six games or whatever, but like he's just better, so we're gonna play him. Like you don't you don't go from zero to MVP like Mike Trout unless you're Mike Trout, right? Exactly. Like you like teams, but now teams will just be like, you know what, veteran guy, we're gonna go with a rookie because he might just be better. Teams aren't afraid to try that now, and I think that that has. I think you will see more rookies win World Series MVPs going forward, just because you will have more rookies playing large roles in the World Series. But I am surprised there's different like a rookie pitcher that went wild in the World yeah, Series yeah. or something. That kind of well, seems like the thing that would happen. It seems to me that that rookie pitchers now, if you look at what the Astros did, and I don't think they had any rookies this year, but would go into a slot like the Astros bullpen. So right, it's hard Astros- to win a unless you're the closer, which a rookie probably isn't going to be. It's gonna be hard K- to win. A- K. Rod is the only guy I can think of, right? Who was a closer and went to the World Series as like a rookie and excelled. Yeah, yeah, it, right, right. So I think you're just—it's going to be hard for a rookie pitcher to get it, unless he just—he's because like if you're a rookie pitcher and you start the season and you're a great pitcher, you're probably not going to pitch much in the World Series because you're going to be on an innings limit. <laughs> By that so point. so let's let's talk about the Astro bullpen. They they threw fifty four and a third innings. Okay, now wait, stop. This is a six game series. Okay, then they had a ten inning game. Okay, but wait a second. <laughs> they were throwing like five six innings every that, game. That's six. He talk, no no no. That's almost nine innings a game. How are they six times that? nine. Yeah. <laughs> so. Then, that's how much they played in the regular season. They 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 had the lowest ERA ever. At 0.83 in major league history, they had the lowest ever opponent's batting average against in history. On base, 2-4 to be talked about that. Slugging percentage, 208, lowest ever. The whip, lowest ever at 0.75. And let me give you the names, right? Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Hector Neris, former Philly, uh, and Ryan Presley. These I guys. expected it from Ryan Presley. Of anybody, right? Uh, of it, because we knew if you had been, and he even attention. wasn't as good as he could be normally, to, to right. be honest. Or he was actually a little lower than his normal right. self. But right. like we expected that level of performance from him. Like he is that good. The right. other guys, I mean, you could never. But like, especially against a, a lineup like the Philly lineup, you don't expect there to them to go out and dominate that lineup like they did. They dominated it, and they couldn't even get Stanek, Ryan Stanek, Ryan Stanek into the games, and he's terrific also. So you know. 
clearly getting to the playoffs and having this kind of lights out bullpen is a necessary construction to even make the World Series much less win it. Yeah, I, I think if I am a major league front office, more than anything, what this season should have proven to me is that the state of your bullpen in October will determine your postseason yep. success. And 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 look, the Phillies hit 102 against those guys, six for 59. So as Joe Posnanski wrote, every time the, the relievers came in, the Phillies look at it going, oh, we're done, right? They got out of it in game one, and that was it. Right. They got game and they got a game, which which is insane to think about it. Right. When they have the stats that they do, the Phillies beat that bullpen in a game and they still posted almost like I'm pretty sure all six of those hits came in that first game. Basically. It feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, they might get like one or two across the rest of the series. And, and it just seemed like Schwarber, or Schwarbaum, as they like to call him now, was hitting bombs all the time. You know what Schwarber hit in the World Series? He hit 250. No, he was on base at, you know, Which, honestly, it's like, it's kind of hard. Well, to... compared to everybody else, that's yeah, like. he was doing that's, good. That's better than his teammates. And, and he just sort of looked really good to me at the plate in the World Series, gave you good at bats. And even he could barely manage 250, mostly against that bullpen. Right, and I, I think what you just saw was that once the Phil, like they, the Phillies just they didn't know what to do. I, I think it's most exemplified by that Schwarber bunt attempt. Oh my goodness! I mean, how do you how do you even think to do that if you should? But you got to think think about the mental st- like that. that right, that, where you that, had to be he, in order to think that was the right. thing to do. <laughs> that, that's that should tell you everything about where the Phillies' mental state was against the bullpen. The fact that Schwarber resulted to but resorted to bunting there tells you they they had nothing left. They had they were they had given up and they were literally just trying whatever they could to figure something out. <laughs> And by the way, I would give credit to the Philly bullpen too. Aside they from kept Alvarado, them in that series. Aside from Alvarado giving up, you know, a ninety-nine mile an hour home run. I mean, what, what do you, you throw your hands up, going, "Okay, the guy hit the crap out of it." What am I going right, to do? Like, you, 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 if you're the Phillies, do you really think you're getting through a full series against the Astros without Alvarez hitting an important home run? Any home run he's hitting is important. It's the World Series, but like, you know, he's at least going to get one. He's that good a player. I mean, how many seven-game stretches did the guy have without a home run during the season? Um, boy, I don't know. Didn't feel like he had any of those. Exactly. So, like, you, you, you like, the idea that you're going to come in and completely, you know, Bryce got a home run in the World Series. Schwarber got a home run in the World Series. Yeah. So, Harper ended up hitting 200 in the World Series. There was a part where he was, like, unstoppable. It the first like. two games. The first right. two games he was, and then he went cold. And, and and the other guy, uh, Hoskins, hit 120, you know, for all. That's the, the Reese Hoskins I know. The, the, <laughs> well, well I, I just, you know, I it felt like because they did so well in that game one and they, it felt like they were that they maintained because that was sort of a carryover from you right, know, you, beating you the Braves. You thought that this was going to be the magic. Yeah, yeah. Ria Motel hit one, one, 167. I mean, I, I expected him to have a giant series. Segura hit 143. I mean, okay, batting averages don't mean everything, but let's face it, the on-base averages weren't much better. So. I mean, the, yeah, and, they, and, and the Phillies were so reliant on low-average, high-on-base guys, and I think that that is the kind of thing that's probably really good in the regular season when you're going to be able to face a lot of bad pitching that will give up free walks. But I think guys like Nimmo, guys like Schwarber struggle in the postseason when the pitchers don't just walk you for no reason anymore. 
And, and who would have taken a bet that Maldonado, Martin Maldonado, would have had a higher average and a better, better World Series than Real Muto? Right. <laughs> that I, I think even the asset wow. now, now granted that feels less like oh Maldonado played really well and more like oh Rio Muto just didn't hit didn't didn't have a good series. You know, I mean, like, the the big catch against him would have been it would have been a completely different narrative if if McCormick exactly. doesn't make that catch if, and the Phillies win that game all of a sudden Rio Muto playing game the seven. MVP right and if they have a good game then he wins the MVP and yet it turns out that that's not the case so exactly. I don't. I don't know how the the Astros do it because the the Mets tried to take that page of we'll get a bunch of catchers that don't really hit very much in in in, in the, on their team and we can get, make it to the World Series and win it. Well, the Astros just did that. You right? know, yeah, the Astros, which proved to you that the Mets strategy would have worked. It just it might, the players it, didn't execute. It can work, right? It can it, work. Like, right, I think you have to you have to look at that and go, okay, our team construction, our strategy, that wasn't the mistake. You got a bad start from Max, and you got an okay, and you won Jake's start. Yeah. You know, like, and your bullpen uh, pitched reasonably, and then you got shut down in game three when Joe Musgrove pitched the best game of his life. But it happens. You know, you know your your catchers, you know, you you expected them to, you know, be be so good defensively, and I think the you know the the Astros had so many other guys that could contribute at, at in the big moments that they could afford it a lot better than a team like the Mets could even. Right. Or a team like the Phillies. Experience. The Phillies were built around the idea that JT Real Muto is going to contribute and be a big time player for them. So if suddenly he's not, that hurts them a lot. Like if if Maldonado suddenly decides to go, you know, and hit 140 for a series, the Astros are like, cool, that's a normal Tuesday. Pretty much like that's not much different than what he's normally doing. If Rio Muto hits 140, the Phillies are like, oh, God, what is going on? Right, right. And so, you know, you brought me to my next point, right? The Astros, four World Series in six years. They've won two. Um, and probably the only reason why they're not kind of dynasty like a little. Right. Maybe the two. The fact that they only have two World Series is probably why they're not getting talked about as a dynasty. That the, the Nationals and the Braves saved us from that, you know. That yeah, and, and 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 will yeah, they 40. will they get back next year? Well, they they did all this this year by a a uh, almost coup fantasy stalwart who people have forgotten about. Really contributed to the Astros this year. Didn't play a lick because he got hurt and, and was gone for the season. And Michael Brantley. Right, he was huge for them for so much right. of the year, you know. And so to take to lose a guy like that, right? And that's obviously why they went and got Mancini mm-hmm. uh, to a degree. And Mancini didn't hit anything like Michael Brantley. And and Michael Brantley's going to get a ring. Uh, I'm sure he would trade it all to have been on the field too uh, and celebrate with his team. hundred percent. He would have always, yeah. I'm sure Michael Brantley would be telling you that the first person to tell you he wanted to be on the field for all of that. So the season is closed. We're into hot stove now, almost, even if it's still kind of I mean, warm you're going to get team re-signings, basically. The Mets re-signed Diaz. They paid $100 million for him. I mean, I, to me, that's Steve Cohen making a statement saying, I'm not going to – I'm going to be spending again this offseason. Yeah, then, yeah. I think I, – I, you think that bodes well for Jacob deGrom? Yeah. I think I, – I think Met – I think Met fans – are, are in a problem where they want kind of everything. Yeah, they they have the emotional attachment to Jake and they want to keep Jake, but they would never be happy if you told them, well, in order to keep Jake, you're going to have to give up getting like Trey Turner. They'd be like, well, what if we had both of them? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see, uh, did you see the, uh, 
sizzle video that uh, Trey Turner put out today. It's about a little under three minutes. Find it on YouTube. John Hamm does the narration. You know, he runs, he hits, he right. hits for power. And it's just really good because John Hamm's voice is just so what, great. What, what's really funny to me, like, it'll, it'll sway nobody, of, by the way. Yeah. But what am I, yeah. Well, everybody knows how good Turner is. Right, but like, right, exactly. like, one of my favorite things about John Hamm is that people think of him like as a serious dramatic actor, especially because of how good he was on Mad Max. No, he's a comic actor. He is his <laughs> He is one yeah. of the funniest actors. Yeah. Like, seriously, if you have not, do yourself a favor and find any comedic role John Hamm is in. He is hilarious. Like, I found it when he was on this stupid little adult swim, like, 15-minute thing with Adam Scott, where the entire joke was that he and Adam Scott were recreating an 80s TV show opening. <laughs> Like, that was the entire thing. I'm like, why is he? I couldn't even figure out why John Hamm, who's this, like, famous actor who's in the movies, is, like, doing this stupid little comedy thing. And then he, they, they did some, like, behind-the-scenes interview, and he's like, I was so excited to do this. I, I was so much fun. I love doing stuff uh, like I watched this. The, watch the video on Turner. And by the way, you know, if I, from a Met fan's perspective, I, I love Brandon Nimmo, but if we got to sign somebody for five years, I'd rather give the money no, to Trey Turner. That is a direct upgrade, Met fans. You know, Trey Turner to Brandon Nemo to Trey Turner. Let's just put it All right, last way. last just think, thinking ahead. Uh, does Aaron Judge stay with the Yankees, or is he is he in a different uniform next year? Does Cashman want to stay the GM of the Yankees? Well, it, it, it appears that that is right now he's kept right. his job. So, but if, if he fails to sign Aaron Judge. The Yankee fans will remove him from the office themselves. Oh, you pay the guy <laughs> everything he wants and more, then he'll stay. Are the Yankees prepared to do that? Is I guess the question is: Is somebody crazy like in Texas or wherever? I think the Yankees. The, the, the Yankee. The problem is, is that the Yankees are bidding against a market that knows they have to spend. Because if you don't sign Aaron Judge, the Yankees, what do you do this offseason? How are you going to sell that to your fan base? Because after the collapse yeah. they had this year, if they don't reason, like if somebody else swoops in and signs Judge, there's nobody else on the market that compares. Okay, You're, okay, collapse is a little strong for them. It was a for, for Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees, yeah. and the Yankee fans. They would 100% call what happened this year a collapse. I would, I, I for one want Aaron Judge to stay with the uh with the Yankees. Yeah. I'm but normally I feel that way. I actually wanted Juan Soto to stay with the Nationals even though that puts it's him in our when, division. It's fun I, when players are with the team yes. they they came up with. They you know that they become a that you know that thing for life, a Met for life, a Yankee for life, a Red Sox We're for no life. We're no Yankee fans, but Aaron Judge should have a, a statue of Monument Park one day. This should happen. It, it, it would look really weird too if he was like in orange and blue right. next season. Right. I mean right. I right. would say no to it, but I, it was exactly. like, oh, man, yeah, he should have stayed a Yankee, but like, Let's I'm okay with well, Yeah, I'd be like, oh, man, Aaron Judge is my center fielder now. Wow. I guess he doesn't have to be a Yankee. Do you think Steve Cohen would really spend $450 million in one season just to screw? <laughs> Maybe. There's a part of me that hopes so. Um, anyway, um, so the last thing we'll talk about is um, because so much of what we talk about on our podcast has got to do with the Hall of Fame, um, and it just came out um, as we record this here on Monday, the 7th, that um, the Hall of Fame uh, contemporary baseball era ballot has come out yes. for 2023, and it's going to be announced on December 4th, the 16-member committee. Uh, will will vote um, and any candidate getting 75%. We've talked about this before of those. So 12 votes. It's pretty easy um, for the following players. You got to get nine or more, right? You got to get 12 of 16. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was out of 12. Yeah, 12 of 16. 
Um, so uh, there's a guy named Barry Bonds. Um, there's a lot of a lot of steroid guys. <laughs> Bonds, Clemens, Albert Bell, one of one of my faves, by the way. You know, we talked about him before. Don <laughs> Manningly. A little that one pisses me off a little. What? Bit. What? But he's no on there. Hernandez? Keith isn't. Yeah. No Keith Hernandez. Fred McGriff. We talked about McGriff. He's a guy you can argue. Dale Murphy. I, you know, his name, you know, keeps coming up. And, and again, aside from the two MVPs and being a, a, a guy who could play multiple positions, I guess, on a bad, brave team for years, I, I don't understand why he's on there. Rafael Palmiro, I guess you have to have a guy on there you you definitely say no to. So that's the guy, right? Well, like, I think Schilling is also probably. Oh, uh, that's. I, you know. I think. I think the problem for Schilling is that, like, I, I think the thing is, is that there's a lot of controversial names. Now, the thing here, here's my conspiracy theory that I'm going to put out there right now. One of the steroid guys is 100 percent getting it. Bonds. And here's why. Bonds, and here's why. Because they wouldn't have put all of these guys. This was not like some kind of like eligibility thing. They intentionally chose this ballot. So there's no way they would have chosen this ballot only to vote in like McGriff. You yeah. know what I'm like? like yeah. The Hall yeah. of Fame committee has to have some idea because like otherwise, because if that happens, fans are going to go ballistic. Like, what's the point of even putting these guys on there? If nobody's going to vote for them. On Here, principle. Here's, here's my question to you. I and mean, this is one of the guys you've talked about is Lou Whitaker. Where's Lou Whitaker? Where's, where's a bunch the, of guys that with should a be 75 on career war? Where is Dwight Evans? Where is Bobby Gritch? Those Where... old guys should be in the conversation. That's what we've been saying. And, and, and instead, you now turn it into this thing where, like, for some reason, we're playing this weird Hunger Games style thing where, like, oh, we're going to put all these guys up. And, like, in writers and the 16 people voting will be like, well, we can only put so many people in. So, rather, you're not immediately, as soon as you start thinking that, you're not putting people in on merit then. Because you, you, you have an arbitrary limit of how many guys should be in the Hall of Fame. When you look at a lot of the guys on here, it's like, wait, should Dale Murphy and Fred McGriff have a lesser chance of getting in the Hall of Fame this way because the Hall of Fame incorrectly didn't put in Barry Bonds when he should have been put in? You know what what I say in this podcast, we've said, you know, we want a bigger hall. Yeah, almost all these guys could go in. You want to argue who shouldn't go in? Let's argue why Albert Bell, maybe Mattingly for sure. Mattingly, Dale Murphy. Murphy, Yeah, like I'd rather be arguing about which one of those guys. And to me, of those guys, it's probably Bell that would deserve it the least. Yeah, I'd argue him over Mattingly, believe it or not. Yeah, but regardless, <laughs> I think that's like that. That's kind of where we are. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, you know, so it's only uh, what less than a month away, and you're gonna have uh, a couple of guys that are gonna get inducted in July uh, next yeah. year, Cooperstown, and and I for one really hope Barry Bonds is one of them. Of all Me the guys too. on this list, he's the guy I hope for the most. He, so. he, he could have a really good speech too. <laughs> so. This is the uh, the last podcast of our regular season. Um, we will yes. start our first podcast of what we call the off season, um, and that'll come up next week. And we're going to have a guest, uh, Bruce McClure, is going to talk about Saber, the Society for uh, American Baseball Research, um, and we, you know want to you know we'll go every two weeks after that. We want to kind of get into Saber a little bit just to have everybody here. Why consider Saber? Uh, I'm a member, although I can't say I do very much. But um, it's been a really fun season. If you think back, going to to where oh, yeah. we late getting started, we didn't know if we were going to have a season, um, and it, and it out was a pretty good one. To be a pretty damn good season, and, and definitely uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, definitely keep your eyes out. We have some uh, fun stuff we're going to try this off season, and uh, some new new ways of delivering some uh, things to you guys. So keep your eyes out. 
Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop. 